There is something that all of us have in common, whether Christian, Buddhist, Muslim, atheist, or something else. What we all have in common is that we all want to live well. And no one grows up wanting to have a toxic relationship or destructive, sinful behaviors. Nobody. Ralph Waldo Emerson wrote, the purpose of life is to be useful, to be honorable, to be compassionate, to have it make some difference that you have lived and lived well. I mean, that's my goal for 2024. I want to live well in 2024. Anybody else? As some of you know, my oldest daughter got married yesterday despite, yeah, yeah. Tried to talk her out of it, didn't work. She married the guy. No, I'm just kidding. We are honored to have him in uh, as my uh, adding five sons now. Man, we got a basketball team. <laughs> and uh, just to see what a lovely young lady that she's become, a godly woman, to see her marry uh, a man who is quiet strength and just loves the Lord and is growing in his faith, just kind of when you finally just have a breath to take and kind of reflect on the day, I thought about this, how thankful that I am that though imperfect people, my wife and I, to have been living life well and to be able to pass that on to our kids. And two days earlier on a far different occasion, we grieved with our church family at the funeral of Steve Hahn. And though he had some mental challenges, he tried navigating them for many years. And despite that, he still always radiated kindness and passion for Jesus. For the two hours of the viewing, the line to the casket went all the way out to that door. It never lessened. We finally had to cut it off. We set up 100 chairs. We had to double that for the people that stayed for the funeral. Despite the struggles in his life, Steve lived his life well for Jesus, and it impacted those around him. Isn't that what you want for your life? I want that for my life, and I want it for my family. We all want healthy relationships. We all want joy, peace, and love and what separates the type of people that I mentioned earlier is how to get there and who will get us there. Jesus said the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Who's the thief? Satan. What does he want to kill, steal, and destroy? Your life. <laughs> My life. But Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Would you say abundantly with me? Abundantly. I mean, what a great thing to be able to say at the end of 2024 that this was an abundant year. Just abundance of blessings. The Greek word for abundantly is perisos. Perisos. It carries the idea of going above and beyond. It, it has the idea of, of, of supremacy or extraordinary. In other words, what Jesus is saying there is that God doesn't just want a good life for us. He wants to go above and beyond what we could even imagine what a good life was. That's what he wants. Abundant life in him. 
He wants us to have more joy than we could imagine, a love deeper than we've ever known, healthier and holy relationships free of guilt, shame, and pain. Sign me up for that life. Anyone with me on that? This series that we're starting to kick off the new year is focused on how to be able to experience that kind of life from God's perspective. Not Dr. Phil's or Oprah's or the latest self-help guru's perspective, but from God and his words perspective on what a life lived well looks like. The Ten Commandments, an ancient writing thousands of years ago, plays a crucial role in whether or not we find that kind of life. Be hard to find anybody out there that has not at least heard of the Ten Commandments. To be able to list all ten, that's a different story. And when our country was founded, many of the laws were established based on the Ten Commandments. James Madison, one of the founding fathers, said, we've staked our future on our ability to follow the Ten Commandments with all our heart. For many years in our history, the Ten Commandments were honored in our society. Would you agree that we've drifted from those days? Imagine what our country would look like if people knew the commandments and sought to live by them. Christians aren't exactly innocent either. I would be willing to bet that a majority of Christians can't name all ten of the commandments. Which is sad because I believe these Ten Commandments are still extremely important for our lives today. In fact, I'll go so far as to say, if a Christ follower isn't committed to living out the Ten Commandments, then a life well lived will always remain elusive to him or her. We're going to actually get into the Ten Commandments next week. But today, I want to make sure that we understand what our relationship as New Covenant Christians is to the Old Testament law. Because I think that there's some confusion there. And so maybe this will help. And this can, might even help you see if maybe there's a little confusion with you on what it means to be a follower of Christ, New Covenant Christian, and where does the Old Testament law come into play. So let me give you a scenario. Okay, it's nobody in the church. I made it up, all right? A dad and his 16-year-old daughter are having breakfast. The daughter asks her dad if she can get a tattoo. The dad tells her no. She begs and pleads to no avail. She then asks her dad, well, why not? The dad puts down his piece of bacon in his hand and tells his daughter that the Bible forbids it. Where, she says, she asks. The dad takes the last bite of his third slice of bacon, <laughs> then retrieves his Bible. He proceeds to read Leviticus 19.28 to his daughter, you shall not make any cuts on your body for the dead or tattoo yourselves. I am the Lord. And then he puts down his Bible in victory, at least in his mind. 
Do you see the problem with this scenario? The dad arbitrarily picks an old covenant command, taken out of context, by the way, (laughs) and expects his daughter to obey it. You shall not tattoo yourselves while personally contradicting another old covenant command, which was eating bacon. (laughs) Leviticus 11, 7 through 8 says, And the pig, because it parts the hoof and is cloven-footed, but does not chew the cud, is unclean to you. You shall not eat any of their flesh, and you shall not touch their carcasses. They are unclean to you. So, no tattoos, no bacon. Is that what God expects of us? Well, then I have multiple kids who have sinned because they have tattoos. My wife won't let me get one because she said I'll look silly with one. I'm not cool enough for one. I said, well, what if it's like Martin Luther or like, a, you know, I don't know, Jesus, I don't know. Now, I can live without a tattoo, but bacon (laughs) and all the men said, amen. That's the most amen you're going to hear from men in church right there. Now, I should lay off the bacon, but it's not because it's forbidden by God. It's because I got a dad bod, okay? That's (laughs) a different issue. (laughs) This is important. This is huge to us understand this. As new covenant Christians, we are not bound to live by the old covenant law. The law given to Moses by God was for his chosen people in the Old Testament, the nation of Israel, not us. Well, then why are we spending 10 weeks on the Ten Commandments? Well, when we understand, and that's our goal today, when we understand the purpose of the Old Testament law, we can then see why these Ten Commandments are very much still important for our lives. Sound good? Here's what I want us to do today. Here's our goal. I want us to look at three things the law leads us to. Three things that the Old Testament law leads us to. Every path leads you somewhere, right? My family will attest to the fact that I am directionally challenged. I do not know where I'd be today if it was not for technological advancements, like phones with Google Maps on them. I have literally been lost in the middle of Manila, Philippines, and Quito, Ecuador, going on jogs where I thought I knew how to get back, but instead got lost. My wife finally was so sick of me getting lost in foreign countries that she bought me a running watch that had a GPS on it to show me how to get back. I actually did on purpose because I really wanted that watch. No, just kidding. (laughs) Good idea, though. I should (laughs) have. My point is simply this. You need to make sure you're on the right path. You need to have the right directions. 
When you read the Old Testament, and then specifically as we're talking today, when you read the Old Testament law, make sure you're going down the right path with it because it can take you down an unbiblical path. It can take you down a path that will probably lead to legalism, an inaccurate view of who God is, and a misunderstanding of the gospel. This is so important to understand today because unbiblical paths taken through the law has eternal consequences in our lives if we don't understand this. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew 5. I don't have the verses up here, so if you want to turn there, if you didn't bring a Bible and you want one, raise your hand. We'll have someone in the back bring you one or just look off of someone next to you. But Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 through 20. Now, this is thousands of years after the law was written. This is the very words of Jesus. Verse 17 through 20, it says, Do not think that I have come to what? abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to what? Fulfill them. This is one of the most important verses that, you, that we have that helps us understand the relationship between Old Testament law and new covenant as Christians and who, where Jesus fits in all of this. Jesus did not come to abolish, but to be the one who fulfilled the point of them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes on <coughs> one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, if you, if you know anything about New Testament um, 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 uh, uh, context there and background the pharisees and the scribes were considered like the, the the elites the spiritual elites the religious like superstars in all of the people's eyes but the one that mattered jesus and that's a key to understand there that the Pharisees, I mean, they were, I mean, they, they tried to follow the law to a T. In fact, they even went beyond the law, added more laws to the laws that God had given. And he says, you're right, your righteousness must exceed that of the Pharisees. In other words, the Pharisees knew more about the Old Testament law, but they missed the one primary point. <laughs> that the law did not point to their righteousness. The law pointed to their need of a savior to make them righteous. You see, ultimately, what these verses are saying is that the law leads us to Jesus. This is the first of three things I want to make sure that we get before we leave here today. The Old Testament law is always supposed to lead us to Jesus. Now, if you were here during our Exodus series, I hope, I hope and pray I did a good job in helping us see that Jesus is all over the book of Exodus. That it points to who Jesus is. The, the hero of Exodus is not Moses. It's God and, and, and Jesus who comes in his pre-incarnate form as the, as the angel of Yahweh to lead them forward. The law is always intended to lead us to Jesus. Amen? If we don't get that about the Old Testament, then we will never see the value 
the true value of these Old Testament books. Any person that thinks that they deserve standing with God because they follow the rules of God's laws deceived or just plain arrogant. Here's the reality of the situation. There is no one righteous, not even one. We put that on the screen. There is none righteous, not even one. Well, that's a problem. Jesus, or excuse me, Paul goes on to say in Romans 10, 3, for being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. They did not understand. The law don't, does not make you righteous. According to the apostle, it's people's own spiritual ignorance that causes them to try and establish a religion that finds their justification before God a result of their own conduct. That is why, quite frankly, the seven sacraments of Catholicism or the four pillars of Islam, to just name a few, cannot save a person. It will not bring a person an inch closer to knowing a holy God. God's righteousness is found outside of ourselves. That's why Paul says in the next verse, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. That's where the path leads, church. It leads to Jesus and righteousness. Let me put it this way. Following the law does not lead us to righteousness. Our inability to follow the law leads us to our need of a savior, which produces our righteousness. If you read the Old Testament law and your take home is, hey, I'm doing this, I'm pretty righteous. You've missed it. It was intended to show, boy, I need a savior. Remember in uh, uh, Matthew 5, in the first recorded sermon of Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount, because the Pharisees weren't getting it, he expounds on, and we'll look at this in future weeks, but he expounded on the Ten Commandments. He said, even if you lust in your heart, that's adultery. Even if you have anger in your heart, that's like murder. And so he, he was addressing those individuals who really thought they were something special because they weren't violating in their minds the Ten Commandments. And like, like Jesus said, you don't get it. <laughs> the law points to me, not to your self-righteousness, but your need for me to make you right before God. Does this make sense? I mean, it must. This is the difference between heaven and hell, quite frankly, to understand this. The law, church, the law was always and still is today intended to point people to the cross of Jesus Christ. That's why Sinclair Ferguson in his book Devoted to God wrote, the lawmaker became the law keeper, but then took our place and condemnation as though he were the lawbreaker. That's what Jesus did on our behalf. Hymn writer Charles Gabriel was right. Oh, how marvelous. Oh, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. This sinless Savior paid the price with his blood for every lawbreaker who's ever walked or will walk on this earth. 
Come on, I need more amens than that. Galatians 3.24 describes the purpose of the law this way. Therefore, the law was our tutor. I love that. Our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. Do you love that? The law is our tutor. Tutors help us learn what we don't really understand. I probably could have used some of those in my school days. My mom was too cheap to pay for one. So that's why I'm still dumb today. All right, thanks a lot, Mom. It's all your fault. I know, I'm gonna get grounded. She thinks she still has grounding power, you know? Try to tell her I'm her pastor, you know what she says? I don't care. <laughs> the law tutors us in understanding why Jesus needed to go to the cross. Does this mean once we've embraced the gospel of Jesus, there is no need for the Ten Commandments in our lives? Survey says. Ah, do it with me. Survey says. Ah. Once the law brings us to Jesus, we can then return to them and use them correctly in our lives. Puritan scholar Samuel Bolton in his book, The True Bonds of Christian Freedom, back in like the 1600s understood it. He said, the law sends us to the gospel that we might be justified, and the gospel sends us to the law again to inquire what is our duty in being justified. Does that make sense? Let me put it another way. We don't go to the law for our justification. We come back to the law as a result of our justification, seeking to apply them to our lives and relationships. Now, I'm spending a lot on this first point because, agree or disagree, I think that we have a lot of churches in America today that aren't actually preaching the real gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you go through a church, and they're not just lovingly and tenderly, though, talking about our sin and a need for a Savior, get out. Jesus did not come and die on a cross, be slaughtered on a cross, the agony of death, separation from God, to give us our best life now, to make our life a little better than it already was. Jesus came endured the cross and defeated death so that we could have a life that is now in the eyes of God. Now we are clothed in the righteousness of Christ, not by our own efforts, but because of Christ's shed blood. We have to be clear on the gospel. We don't add Jesus to our life. Jesus is our life. It's the only way to life. The law leads us to Jesus, and once we get that, and once we embrace that, then, secondly, we can discover that the law leads us to freedom. The law leads us to freedom. We'll look at the first two of the Ten Commandments next week, but I do want us to look at what God said before giving the Ten Commandments. Exodus chapter 20, it's the second book of the Bible, Exodus chapter 20. Verse 1 and 2, 
I don't have those verses up here. So this is before he gives the 10. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Would you say this part with me if you have an ESV Bible? Out of the house of slavery. I am not by nature, I probably shouldn't admit this as a pastor, I am not by nature a rule follower. That actually sometimes is good because it makes you think through things and do, you know, and think outside the box, but it also can be bad. I have discovered also over the years. So I'm not by nature, I'm saying, a rule follower. My wife, on the other hand, I married a rule follower. Her parents are here. They can attest to that. I really honestly believe that if, like, like that my wife would be crippled with guilt if the do not remove label ever got taken off of the mattress. <laughs> I have often thought about ripping it off right in front of her. <laughs> Just see what she does. But in reality, rules are not a bad thing, right? If they're appropriate. Imagine if we didn't have rules for driving. There's a part of me that really likes that idea. Any speed I want. However, think of the chaos that would ensure, ensure, ens that would happen <laughs> if there were no traffic laws or speed limits. Actually, it just dawned on me, my wife isn't really consistent in being a rule follower because she's got a lead foot. <laughs> so I got to talk to her. I got to rebuke her in the Lord when I get home. <laughs> I always talk, talk tougher when she's not here. <laughs> she's <laughs> helping with the elementary today. <laughs> Maybe not have any of this conversation with her. <laughs> not that I'm scared or anything. <laughs> I am. <laughs> Truth is, we should all be glad that there are rules for the road. Rules are there for protection. We should be glad that God has established rules in the Bible. These rules or boundaries are intended for our good. I want you to notice what God is doing before giving the Ten Commandments here. He's reminding them that he was the one who brought them out of the house of bondage, out of slavery. Did you know that God delights in setting captives free? Huh? Some of you know what I mean, right? Yeah. I have found that the people who have truly been set free from captivity are the ones who worshipfully are uh, passionately worship God and are always moved by the grace and goodness of God in their lives. God is in the bondage-breaking ministry. That's what he does. That's what we're praying for this year in people's lives. I'm praying for in my life. I've got areas that, that sometimes hold me in bondage from being all that God has called me to be. And so God is reminding them. Before giving the Ten Commandments, he's reminding them, 
I'm the one that brought you out of slavery. I personally think that the reason why he's doing that is because sometimes, and again, I've been guilty of this, sometimes we see rules as restriction. We see rules, and we're like, we don't want rules. And, and so God's going to give them 10 rules. He's going to say, these are the things I'm expecting of you. And, and the temptation is, ah, I don't want rules. Man, I want to be free. Do what I want. And then he's reminding them, I bring you out of bondage. I'm the one that does that. Why would I give you rules that would bring you back into bondage? The only bondage from these 10 are if you decide not to follow them. That's you. That's not God. That's you. And so I think that's a, re a reminder for us before he goes into them. So, so this is the point I want to make here. The 10 commandments are intended to enrich our lives, not enslave them. This is one of my biggest prayers as we begin this series. It's so important that I, do, I don't normally do an intro week like this. I know you just dive right into the next series. The reason I'm doing intro week partly is because I want to make sure we get this. What we're looking, this is not going to be, oh, 10 weeks of things I got to do. No, I want this to see the 10 uh, commandments from a fresh perspective after they've led us to Jesus and back in them that we see them as freedom. We see these 10 with a new excitement in our life because the truth of the matter is some of us were taught these when we were younger and they weren't taught with great joy. They were taught in almost a way that made us feel guilt and shame. And so I want us to approach this over the next 10 weeks. And that's why we called the series A Life Well Lived. Like, like this is exciting, <laughs> these 10. Because of what they can do in our lives and in our relationships to enrich them, not to enslave us. Imagine living within 20 feet of a very busy highway. As a father, what would be my concern for my kids, my young kids? Getting hit by a car, right? So what do I do? I, I, I put up a fence all around it. And I make it a big fence. <laughs> and so, so my kids now, they have the freedom. They can put some fun things in there, you know, put up a, a play set and, you know, whatever. I mean, it's a made-up story so I can do anything. Uh, like full-court basketball, you know, whatever. Um, and, um, you know, pool, jacuzzi, okay. You know, like all kinds of like exciting things to do, you know, within the fence. But then they start thinking, yeah, but what's outside the fence? Well, maybe that's better. Maybe there's something there. Maybe put the fence. Maybe my dad's just mean, you know? And like there's something out there that's better than the stuff inside the fence. The little kid crawls over and gets smacked and killed. Yeah, sorry, that was a little, a little dramatic. <laughs> that wasn't funny, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, like, like but, but seriously, right? Like, like he, goes, he goes over that, that's what can happen. That was, as a father in that scenario, was, was, a, was I being restrictive and mean to my kids? Of course not. I mean, yes, was there restrictions? Yes. But Why? protection rooted in love I love my kids snot-nosed little brats as they were I love them and I love and they're not 
Brad eat that much anymore. That's awesome. <laughs> like, like, right? As parents, you, you get it, right? Just lo- we love our kids. We, we want to protect them. That's why. I say that because I think that's like the Ten Commandments. God loves us. He wants what's best for his glory and our good. So when God sets up this this boundary, these these Ten Commandments, he's not trying to restrict us. When, When we live by them, instead what he's doing is he's allowing us to experience the full richness of what a relationship with him and other people was intended to look like. That's the perspective I want us to go into as we start this series. One last thing. So the law leads to Jesus. The law leads to freedom. One more. The law leads to love. Come on. Do you know every single law leads back to love? Not according to me, according to Jesus. Right? Fast forward 1,500 years from the giving of the Ten Commandments. Jesus has an encounter with the so-called expert of the law. Right? What does he say? But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, if you've grown up in the church, if you've read, this is not a new passage, okay? But I want you to make sure you catch the last thing he says. On these two commandments depend all, all of the law and the prophets. All 613 commandments found in the Old Testament all have the exact same goal, to help you love God and love others better. That's it. All of them are pointing to that. Jesus himself said by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. A life well lived is a life in love with Jesus and a love for others that looks like Jesus' love. Living by the Ten Commandments will lead us to that well-lived life. I'm going to ask the band up as we are going to close in a song here in a second. I want to wrap up the message the way I began. The desire each of us have to experience a life well-lived. Years ago, at a spiritual leadership conference, I was challenged with this question. Are you living for your resume or your eulogy? And I've never forgotten that. In other words, are you more consumed with building a name for yourself or are you committed to living in such a way that you leave a legacy to those you leave behind? People may remember your accomplishments, but it's your character, the way you lived life, that will impact those around you. You know why we gather every week? You know why I, I, I can imagine doing anything else with my life? Because I am convinced that it's never too late to change course. 
long as you have breath, it is never too late to change course. Maybe for some of you today, 2024, this is a perfect message for you to hear, not because of any way that I delivered it, but because of the content of God's word that today is the day to you say, 2024, I'm changing course. I, I, I want to love Jesus. I want to love people in a holy and healthy way this year. And so maybe today is commitment day to say, I'm, I'm surrendering to the way of Jesus, to his word. As we study this series to the Ten Commandments, it's not about me. It's about following after God. Paul lived half his life, the Apostle Paul lived half, half his life as a self-righteous religious person who totally missed the point of the Old Testament law. He was an expert in the law, but he missed it. You could say he missed it by 18 inches from the head to the heart. In fact, he did everything he could to shut down the Jesus movement, not only having them arrested, but participating in their deaths. How would you like that in your past? But Jesus met him on the Damascus Road. And Paul gave his life over to Jesus Christ. He went from persecutor to proclaimer. That's what the gospel can do, church. He gave the rest of his life to living well. And he comes to the end of his life. The same year, he's going to be executed for his faith. Sitting in a prison, writing to a young man, Timothy, that he had mentored, that he had loved in his last year of life. And he wraps up the book towards the end of the book with these words. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous Lord, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. That, my brothers and sisters, is a life well lived. I don't need a big house. I don't need a fancy car. I don't need a large ministry. Used to think I did. But what I do want desperately is to get to the end of my life and be able to say that I fought the good fight. I finished the race. And I've kept the faith. And now, waiting for me is the glories of heaven. How about you? Is that your life and legacy that you want to leave? Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the challenge to us. Father, Help us to live well. 
in a way that honors and pleases you, in a way that loves you deeply and selflessly loves those around us. Father, use this series to grab hold of our hearts, bend our will will (laughs) to yours for your glory, Father. In the name of Jesus, amen.